The next woman in line stood up. Her strawberry blonde hair was pulled back into a ponytail, and she looked nervously around the room. Hi, Daphne McKellen. My twin girls are 22 and are finishing up university this year. They are studying early childhood K education, and once they graduate we plan to open up a daycare in my home. I've arranged all the permits, and I'll have contractors coming in to make the required upgrades. To make it a legal daycare, we're only going to be allowing 20 children in the centre, ages 6 months to 6 years. With Scott gone and my girls away at university, the house is too quiet. I'm looking forward to hearing the sound of children again. She smiled at Tina. As for Scott, I knew he was a terrible flirt. Her face closed down. No, the truth. He had a fair once. It was a bad time for our marriage. Christmas parties at the bank headquarters were terrible. He'd get drunk and start acting like he owned the women who worked for him. Ten years ago, I found out he was fucking a loans manager. I confronted him about it, and he finally broke it off. We weren't the same after that, but I never saw any evidence that he'd relapsed. He just got better at hiding it, I suppose. Fuck him. I'm making a new better life for myself, now. She smiled at the group, and got applause. She sat down with a huge grin and tears in her eyes. Next in line was a very slim woman, 5'9", whose obsession with jogging had burned off most of her body fat. She was all toned muscle and sinews, which made her obviously fake breasts so out-proportioned. She did her best to hide them with a loose sweater. She had short red hair to mid-neck and a friendly heart-shaped face with large pale green eyes and a strong hawk nose. She smiled tremulously at the group. I'm Trish Campbell. I live next door to Daphne, and I was looking forward to the sound of children in the neighborhood as well, but I may not be able to stay in the neighborhood to hear it. She looked over at Hannah, who gave her a supportive smile and nod. Trish returned the smile and collected herself. John had addictions, not drugs or alcohol, but adrenaline and gambling, motocross racing, hang gliding, whitewater kayaking, skydiving, and jet, ski racing. We led a very active life. He also gambled heavily. He did his best to hide it, but when bills went unpaid because he'd blown his paycheck on poker with his buddies at work, it came to light. He owned his own marketing company, but that just went bankrupt because he was spending all of the money it made on his gambling addiction. He stopped paying into the life insurance policy, so there was no money when he died in the accident. He had not. Pension and our mortgage is only half paid off. I have my own design company which I run out of my home office. I'm doing very well, but not well enough to pay off all of John's debts. I've had a few frightening calls from someone named Angelo, who John owes money to. I'm going to have to sell the house. Several voices were raised in concerned protest. I have no other choice. I'll buy it, Ben said. Trish looked over at him. What? I'll buy your house. You get it appraised and let me know how much it is. You can continue to live in it and pay rent at a rate less than your mortgage. You can use the money from the sale to pay off the debts. Hannah leaned forward. Ben, we talked about this. Trish looked at her friend in surprise. Ben continued. No, this isn't about that. This is a great investment for me. You know the properties on this street are. And we get to keep Trish as a neighbor. 
Her son Mason and your son Ryan are best friends, so splitting them up would be a shame. They already lost their friends, Bill and Kevin Miller, when they moved out. Trish was looking at Ben like a lifeline had just been thrown to her, and when Ben saw that he winced, Hannah groaned as she saw the cycle starting again. Ben's need to help a damsel in distress, overpowering his deep-seated aversion to praise. She caught the puzzled eye of her friend, Trish, and mouthed later to her. The woman seated on the chair, next to Ben's couch, stood up. My name is Joanne White. My husband Michael and I came to an arrangement years ago that he would have his affairs, and I would have his affairs and I would have mine as long as we didn't allow any discord into our home. We had my daughter Lily twenty years ago, and I'm proud to say she is a beautiful, intelligent, and, well, adjusted young lady. I'm moving to Florida to look after my ailing parents and to spend the rest of my life with the wonderful and faithful man that has been waiting for me to leave Michael. She turned to Ben. If you are interested, I'm going to be putting my home on the market as well. My daughter has two more years of college, and it would be wonderful if she could rent out her room in the house until she graduates. Joanne, Hannah barked. No, that's fine. Yes, I'm interested, Ben said. Trish looked upset, and Ben caught the look. That doesn't affect my offer to you in any way. That statement caused all of the women to look at Ben curiously. Hannah was worried his white knight compulsion was driving him beyond his means. Ben, that's going to be a lot of money. You know what the current values are for these homes. He just looked at her calmly. Yes, I know what they're worth. Daphne was trying to figure Ben out. His home was the smallest, most modest on the street, as his property was smaller, probably because of the public lane to the nature reserve. He drove a domestic SUV and had none of the toys their husbands had shown off. She didn't even know what work he did, or if he had a job at all. She couldn't help herself from asking the question on everyone's mind. Just how rich are you, Mr. Shepherd? Ben felt uncomfortable under their eyes, and looked at Hannah. She had her eyebrow raised waiting for an answer too. Still, he wasn't about to give out the number. I live very comfortably and I'm very careful with my money. I can certainly afford to purchase a few homes from this neighborhood, which are essentially investments that can be resold later for a profit. I will say that I won't need to go into any debt to do it. Is that good enough? He said, looking back at Daphne. She nodded while the concepts of purchasing a few million dollar homes and no debt floated in her mind. She looked at Hannah, who was obviously also thinking along the same lines. Beth sunk into the couch against Ben as everyone looked to her, the last woman to speak, the only victim whose husband didn't perish in the crash. She felt a tremendous guilt for that fact, like somehow she hadn't suffered as much as them. But her physical condition obviously disproved that. She looked up at Ben, and he smiled down at her. She struggled forward on the couch, and he helped her up. Only once she was on her feet and looking back at him, did he realize he was bracing her with his hand on her ass? He blushed and smiled guiltily at her. She smiled back with a little spark in her eyes. She wiggled her hips and his blush ramped up. Hannah watched this with tears in her eyes and a grin on her face. I'm Beth Wilson. My ex-husband wasn't on the plane and is now in jail. 
There was some confused noises from the group, so she explained. He was carrying his work satchel, which was loaded with a large quantity of very powerful medications, so he was arrested for trafficking. That seemed to settle the questions. She began again. I don't know what went wrong in our marriage, what I could or should have done to prevent Larry from straying. There was a rumble of voices telling Beth she wasn't responsible for the actions of her husband. She looked over at Hannah, who smiled at her friend. Hannah has been a tremendous help for me. She's drawing me out of my depression. I was in so deep, I couldn't even see the damage I was doing to my children. We're all getting better now, talking with you. All really does feel like it's helping. She turned to the host. Thank you, Catherine and Gabriella, for making this happen. She took her place next to Ben, who gave her a hug, which she snuggled into with a smile on her face. There was a round of applause from the group. Kat looked at Gabriella and took her hand. They both stood up. It should be known that while Gabriella made the calls and I'm hosting, the driving force behind this meeting is Ben. His concern for the well-being of his neighbours is above and beyond. She and Gabriella both started the applause for Ben, who tried his best to smile but was actually squirming badly and looked like he might bolt. Hannah saw his unease and walked over to their hosts and asked loudly to help them with lunch in the kitchen. Rochelle caught the tone and followed the three ladies out. As they left, the others went back to the animated conversations they'd been having before the round table introductions. Hannah saw Ben begin to relax once more. Once in the kitchen, she spoke to her hosts and Rochelle. Just to let you know, Ben is really uncomfortable with praise. I don't know how he got that way, and I'm not going to divulge anything he said to me in confidence during our talks, but please be aware that Ben does what he does without expectation of reward, and when he is rewarded, it makes him upset. We almost made Ben leave just now. He's a genuine and good man, but sometimes he acts a little too selflessly. Gabriella and Kat looked at each other in dismay. Rochelle looked thoughtful. They opened the trays of sandwiches and salads catered from Rochelle's restaurant and carried them out to the sideboard in the dining room. The room was otherwise ready for the meal. Catherine went into the living room and invited her guests to the table. They filled their plates and took their seats. Hannah saw Ben was being led to the head of the table, so she gently suggested that as host Catherine should sit there and allow Ben to take the next seat on the side. Ben looked gratefully at Hannah and she smiled. Beth stuck close to Ben and took the seat on his other side. Hannah sat next to Beth and Trish took the next chair. Joanne sat at the end of the table with Daphne on her right, then Tina, Rochelle and finally Gabriella sitting across from Ben. Before they began, Rochelle spoke up. If everyone wouldn't mind, I'd like to say a little prayer. I promise it won't be a sermon or preachy. I'd just like to give thanks. There were pleased smiles and nods so they all joined hands around the table. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here today before this bounty. Thank you for giving us the strength to share our stories with each other. Thank you for showing us we can be complete and worthy individuals standing on our own and for giving us the wisdom to know when it's oak to rely on the support of our friends. Thank you, especially for these wonderful women and Ben, for the love and compassion they have shown and the strength we all share from that. Amen. The smiles were especially wide 
and Beth had tears in her eyes as she smiled at Rochelle. The food was wonderful, and the conversation was lively and happy. When they'd eaten their fill and treated themselves to dessert, they returned to the living room to continue their conversations. Trisha's cell rang, and she looked at the caller ID. Her face froze, and she looked at Ben. He walked over, and she showed him it was Angelo. He took the phone and walked with her over to the foyer for privacy. How much did John own them? He asked her. Forty thousand dollars, she said with a desperate expression. Then answered the call. Trish Campbell's phone. Who the fuck is this? Angelo barked. Ben Shepherd, A friend of the family. Is this Angelo? He asked calmly. Put the bitch on the phone. Ben took a breath. I understand there was an outstanding debt with her husband. Forty thousand dollars. I'm going to pay the debt. That was four months ago. Now it's sixty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand dollars. Fine. Digital account transfer or cash? Ben asked. Trish's eyes widened and filled with tears, but Ben just patted her shoulder and nodded. Digital? It's cash only, asshole. Monday at 3 p.m., Miller's Park inside the north entrance. I'll be carrying a blue gym bag? Why Monday? Angelo asked. As you want cash, I'll have to go to the bank which is closed tomorrow, Ben answered calmly. Fine, don't be late or it doubles, Angelo growled. I'll be there, Ben said as the phone hung up. Okay, this guy sounds like an idiot. Small time. Did John tell you about the people he owed money to, or the people he was gambling with? John just gambled with his work buddies, and sometimes he'd play poker in the back room of a restaurant in town. I think that's where Angelo is from, Trish said. Which restaurant? he asked. John took me there once. He thought it was pretty special, but it's tired, and the food was bad. It was called the Celestial, she said. Okay, I know the restaurant and who runs it. I went to university with three of the brothers. Two of them got kicked out for running a crooked poker game. We're not talking about the mob here. I'll take care of it. Ben, I don't have $60,000. I didn't have the $40,000, Trish cried. It's okay, Trish. I said I'd take care of it. After Monday, we won't have to worry about Angelo ever again. That's worth a little money. Ben smiled at her. She looked up at him in shock. Why are you doing this? She asked. Ben shrugged. Because I can. And I'd like you to stay in the neighborhood. Trish gave him a tight hug. Then they went back to the living room to enjoy the company of their friends. Beth patted his spot on the couch, and he sat next to her once more. She seemed to draw strength and comfort just from leaning against him. Trish was occasionally casting admiring glances over at Ben, and it was starting to trigger his nerves. Hannah noticed and had a little talk with her friend. Catherine walked through the room with a tray of small butter tarts. Beth turned it down, but Ben picked up two. He smiled at Beth as he bit into the soft pastry. The sugary liquid center was exquisite, and he closed his eyes as he relished the flavor. Suddenly, he felt a finger stroking his lip. He opened his eyes and saw Beth lifting a little of the sweet syrup from his lip on her fingertip. She looked at it 
then put the finger in her mouth as she looked at him. It was so damn sexy, he immediately felt his pulse divert to his pants. As her arm was resting on his leg, she felt the surge under the fabric. She smiled at Ben, and he swallowed. Neither realized that the room had grown silent as everyone watched. Would you care for the other half? He asked her, his voice deep and rough. Yes, she breathed and opened her mouth. He lifted the small pastry to her mouth and placed it on her tongue. Her lips closed on his fingers, and he slowly pulled them free. He noticed some of the sticky sweetness was on his fingers, so he put them in his own mouth to lick them clean. Cat's moan caught everyone by surprise. Ben and Beth suddenly realized they were being watched and blushed. They matched the red faces from the others in the room. Damn, Cat, quick! Get me one of those butter tarts so Ben can feed it to me next, Rochelle joked. Nervous giggles erupted as the ladies found other things to look at other than Ben. He smiled self-consciously at Beth, who leaned her head against his arm. Thank you, Ben, she said quietly. For what? he replied as quietly. For making me feel desirable again. He gave her a hug, and she felt his bulge press against her arm more firmly. You never lost that, he whispered. She smiled as a tingle ran up her spine. Daphne stood up. Catherine, Gabriella, and Ben, thank you for the lovely luncheon conversation. And entertainment, she said with a grin. I have to head home as my daughters are coming home for a visit. I look forward to our next get-together. Hannah stood and indicated she had to leaving as well. Beth reluctantly pulled herself away from Ben and moved to join Hannah. Once the flow started, all of the ladies started, all of the ladies started towards the door. Ben collected the coats and helped the ladies put them on. After she got her coat on Hannah, arranged with Ben to meet the following night after supper with Beth so they could continue their group sessions. He hugged Hannah and Beth crushed herself against his body in fully body hug. The rest of the ladies wanted hugs as they left after seeing what Beth got. Rochelle's hands went directly to his ass as she crushed her big boobs against him and growled playfully. That benefited the next hug recipient. Trish felt the hot ridge pressed against her when she squeezed him tight. Her breath rushed out past his ear, and he felt her tremble and moan. Then she ducked out the door with a blush. Ben asked Tina to wait until the end so he could walk her home and look over the papers she received from the bank. Gabriella and Catherine gave each other a sad look. Both had hoped to pick up where they'd left off before the guests had arrived. Then it was just the four of them, five counting Christopher. Catherine held Ben's coat and smiled up at him. Ben looked sideways at Tina, who smiled back at him. Ah, sure, he said. The blonde stepped up right against his body and pressed her lips against his, sucking gently on his lower lip. He struggled to keep his hands from sliding down her back to her arse. She sensed his need and pressed against him harder, her tongue dipping into his mouth. He grabbed her shoulders and gently eased her away, though his lips kept hers for as long as they could. He wobbled slightly with his eyes closed, and she grinned at his obvious excitement. She stepped back and guided Gabriella into her place. When Ben's eyes opened, 
He was looking into her beautiful green eyes. Her lips reached his, and his breath was stolen away by the pure sensuality of her tongue, sliding against his. Finally, she pulled back, and Ben was breathing hard. He reached out for his coat and clumsily tried to pull it on. The ladies had to help him finally, and Tina guided him outside. When the cold air hit him, he snapped back into focus and looked back at Catherine's front door. The ladies waved at him from the window, and he weakly waved back. He realized the sun must have been setting as it was quite dark out as they walked to Tina's. Tina led him to her house and let them in. The house was a little cooler than comfortable, and the lights wouldn't come on. He looked at Tina. Did you pay the electrical bill? He looked into the drawer of the table by the front door, and sure enough, there was a flashlight. He pulled it out and turned it on. James would not let me touch the home finances, so I do not know how to do it, she replied. But I did figure out his password to get into his computer. She led him into the den. Not surprisingly, it was his mother's name. He kept his passwords in a file on the sea. I found his PIN number for his bank card, and I used it to withdraw cash from the bank every day up to the limit of the card until there was no more money. This gave me enough money to feed Christopher and myself. Ben looked at her and was amazed at her ingenuity, and shocked by the desperate state of her life. She looked at him anxiously, and he saw she was trembling. Christopher began to fuss. Can you get me the papers you got from the bank? When did the power go out? he asked. Tina turned to the filing cabinet and pulled the papers out. They were neatly filed, and the cabinet was very organized. The power went off yesterday, she said sadly. What were you going to do if we hadn't called the meeting? He growled as he looked at the papers. When she didn't answer, he looked at her and saw she was struggling not to cry, and her whole body was trembling. His heart went out to the young woman. He pulled out the desk chair and sat down on it. He pulled her over beside him and had her sit on his knee. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shout at you. I'm just a little frustrated. James left you in a bad way. You need help, and you have to be ready and willing to ask. You have to be ready and willing to ask. You have friends all around you, ready to help you out. All of his accounts are likely in his name only. You will have to get a lawyer to. Change that. Now that he's gone. Has the life insurance come through for you? Tina sniffed. James made his mother the beneficiary. Son of a bitch, he growled. Yes, exactly, she smiled. He looked at her in surprise and smiled back. She had spunk. Then he felt her shiver. The house did feel a little colder. Well, you and Christopher can't stay here tonight. I'll call Gabriella or Catherine, and I'm sure they can put you up in a spare room. Can't I stay with you? she asked. Me? He looked at her in surprise. Yes, we do not take too much room, and we are very quiet. Christopher rarely cries as he is a sweet child. She smiled. I don't think it would be appropriate for you to stay in my home. Catherine has lots of spare bedrooms since her girls are at school, he explained. He saw her face fall. I understand. We are a burden. We will go where you say. Damn, he thought and sighed. Can you get me one of each of the bills you've recently received? Then go get your toiletries and a change of clothes for yourself and Christopher and his food. 
You can stay with me tonight while I go over all of these bills. We'll make some calls in the morning and see if we can get your utilities back on. If we can't, we'll make alternate living arrangements then. Sound like a plan? She beamed a huge smile at him and kissed his cheek. Certainly, he said, and gently took the boy in his arms. She smiled at him again and moved back to the cabinet. She quickly gathered the papers and left them in a stack on the desk. Then she went to the closet and pulled out a small suitcase. She rolled it out of the room with the flashlight. He turned on his cell phone, flashlight app, and used it to light the area around him. He heard Tina thump up the stairs. Minutes later, she thumped back down and moved to the kitchen. A minute later, she was back. He turned off his phone and handed Christopher back to Tina. He picked up the suitcase and followed her out of the house. After she locked up, they walked back to his place and he let her in. She looked around and made pleased noises. Your home is beautiful, she said with wonder. He smiled at the young woman and led her down the hall to the first guest room. He flipped the light on saw the empty bed platform. Then he remembered that he'd pulled the mattress from the bed to replace the damaged one in the master bedroom. Sorry, not this one. He moved further down the hall to the bedroom next to his. He flipped the lights on and saw the bed had no sheets. I'll get you fresh sheets. Do you not have a mattress cover? she asked. No, I never needed one before, he replied, thinking of his California king. His cell rang and he saw it was Catherine. Speak of the devil, excuse me a minute. He stepped into the hall to get some sheets and answer the phone. Hi, Catherine. What's up? Hi, Ben. Gabriella and I were just cleaning up in the living room, and we saw you and Tina out the front window walking past with a suitcase. Is everything okay? Tina's power was shut off, and I think some of the other utilities may be off or about to go off. Her house has no heat. Oh my god. She and Christopher are welcome to stay with me. I have plenty of room, Catherine offered. Yeah, I suggested that. She was pretty upset and embarrassed. I told her she could stay with me for the first night, but tomorrow we'd make alternate plans. If you don't mind, I'll suggest again that we take you up on your offer, he replied. The line was silent for a bit, and he thought it had disconnected. Then she was back. Okay, yeah, that would be fine. If you need anything, please give me a call, any time. Thanks, Catherine. You are as generous as you are lovely, he said with a smile. Good night, Ben. Sweet dreams, she said, her tone a little wistful. Good night. He got the sheets and went back into the guest bedroom. Tina was sitting on the edge of the bed, feeding Christopher at her breast. Her other breast was exposed. The first thought that went through Ben's mind was that she had surprisingly large breasts for someone with such a small frame. Then he decided it was likely due to her breastfeeding. Then he realized that he's standing watching her feeding her baby, and it was such a lovely natural experience. He would have liked to have seen Wendy like this. Only when she smiled up at his wistful expression did he realize that maybe he shouldn't be there what with her other breast being exposed like that. He didn't about face and went back out into the hall. Sorry about that. I'll give you your privacy. I do not mind. Ben, the bed is lovely and soft, but a little too soft for Christopher. I will need to get his bassinet. 
I can get that for you. Where is it? Ben asked. He was grateful to have a mission to do while the baby was fed. It is in the master bedroom, she replied. Ben entered the room and averted his eyes as he reached for the keys. When she didn't put them in his hand, he had to look. Christopher was on her other breast now, and the nipple of the first was red and swollen from his sucking. She had a small smile on her lips. Thank you for letting us stay tonight, she said, and handed him the keys. He couldn't trust his voice, so he just nodded, then left the room. It didn't take him more than seven minutes to retrieve the bassinet. When he returned with it, Tina had already put the sheets on the bed, and... She hadn't covered up her breasts yet. I am sorry. I must wait for my breasts to become less sensitive before I can put my shirt back on, she said to his pinking face. Quite understandable, he said, looking anywhere but at her exposed chest. He put the baby's bed in her room, and she lifted her son into it. He had the sweetest sleeper on, and Ben couldn't help but gaze down on the sleeping boy with a smile. Tina stood beside him and rested her head on his arm as they watched him sleep. Then he became aware of her body again. Are you hungry? Ben asked as he turned away. No, not yet, she replied. I'm going to the kitchen to start preparing something light. I'm not sure what yet. We can have dinner in an hour or so, if you are okay with that. I'll look over your paperwork in the meantime. Thank you, she said. Then looked into the kitchen cabinets and pulled out a large can of soup. He knew he had a loaf of fresh bread he could cut slices from to go with the soup. There was dinner. He had settled himself at the kitchen table and spread the papers out in front of him. He discovered that most were past due, and some were about to go to collections. He saw the balances were all overdue and made notes of the phone numbers to call in the morning to settle the bills and get the services back online. Then he moved on to the bank papers. Tina was about to lose the house to the bank as the mortgage payments had not been paid in over four months. Ben realized that James skipped a payment before he went off to Las Vegas. Maybe he'd just forgotten. Ben would have to get on this first thing Monday morning. Ben sighed and tallied up the total outstanding. There was no way Tina was going to be able to afford this. She certainly wasn't going to be able to afford to keep the home. He looked up and saw her standing in the kitchen doorway, fully dressed with a sad look on her face. She was reading his. I'm going to lose my home, she said. As you don't have any income, I don't see any alternative. If you can prove ownership, your best option is to sell the house, which is far too large for just the two of you anyway. This will give you a nice bit of money to either get a smaller place or rent an apartment. You are young, you can go back to school and get a degree in something that interests you and you can put Christopher in Daphne's daycare while you study. Maybe you could rent a room from Trish's house, which is right next to Daphne's daycare. You get to stay in the neighborhood. He saw the plan coming together in his mind as he explained her options. Tina sat in the chair next to his and put her smaller hand over his. Or I could stay with you. Then looked at Tina's dark brown eyes and saw the hope in them. Tina, I'm terribly flattered, but you're almost half my age. You deserve to find yourself a young man who will love you and Christopher and make a life of your own. 
you could be my daughter, had my wife, and I been able to have children. Tina looked around, then dropped her eyes sadly. She left me years ago. I'd rather not talk about it other than to say neither of us could make a baby, and she found a man who could give her something I couldn't, he said with a pained frown. I am sorry. I cannot think of anything you do that wouldn't make a woman happy, she said. Tina, please. Let's talk about something else. His eyes remained haunted by his pain, and Tina watched him sadly. May I tell you about James? she asked softly. Ben looked at her apprehensively. What about James? James was fourteen years older than me. He did some investments for my parents when I was eighteen. He and my father were very similar, and my father arranged that I would marry James. I could not defy my parents, and James was handsome and good with money. I married him that year, and we moved into this neighborhood. I thought he would want children right away, but he put me on the pill immediately. I was a virgin when we were married, and he was not good at sex, so I did not enjoy it. Over time, I discovered that I am a submissive. Do you know what that means, Ben? Ben was a little embarrassed, but Tina's delivery of her story was so matter-of-fact it eased his concern about spying on the intimate details of her life. He found himself drawn into her tale, eager to hear more. Her question hit him from left field, and he stuttered a little. Oh, it means, ah, oh, you give control of your well-being to your partner. You trust in them to take care of you. Tina beamed a huge smile at him. You have a much nicer understanding than James did. For James it meant he could mistreat me, hit me, hit me, slap me, degrade me, and lose respect for me. He didn't want to have a child with a woman he didn't respect. I wanted a child desperately. I stopped taking my birth control. When I became pregnant, he found out and beat me severely, hoping I would miscarry, but I saved my baby. She watched rage flare in Ben's eyes when she mentioned the beating, and a thrill ran down her spine. Once the baby was born, he was beginning the process to be rid of me. He would leave me with nothing as I signed a form when we got married. I get nothing. I debt nothing. I do not know if the lawyer is going to be able to change that, and I have no money for a lawyer if I wanted one. Ben's look went bleak when she mentioned the prenup. But the baby? Yes, by us law, he would have to pay for Christopher's care but not if he snuck out of the country and went back to his mother in Korea. I believe he saw Las Vegas as his going-away party. She looked down at her lap. He skipped the last mortgage payment intentionally, Ben said in realization. Tina didn't look up, but she nodded. Dirty son of a bitch, he growled savagely, and she looked at him with a small, pleased smile. We're going to have to scramble to see if we can't salvage something financially from your marriage. I have a lawyer I'll call tomorrow to get the ball rolling, Ben said in a determined tone. Tina gave him a little bow. I cannot repay the kindness you continue to show me. Please know that I am your willing servant for as long as I live. She moved to the floor and knelt at his feet. Ben's eyebrows went all the way up and he nervously pulled back from the table. Tina, please. I'm not expecting you to do that. I don't need a servant. He saw the light go out of her eyes, and her shoulders slumped. He racked his mind, trying to think of something to do to salvage this situation. 
he thought of the plan he'd suggested to her earlier. She needed a direction for her life. He wouldn't allow her to throw her potential away. He caught himself. He wouldn't allow her. He was already thinking of her in the way she wanted him to, but that wasn't him, was it? He couldn't do that, could he? He took another look at the young girl. Maybe he could just help get her back on track if she thought he was taking the role seriously. He squashed his visible nervousness and sat up straight. Tina, stand up, he said firmly. Her eyes snapped to his when she heard his tone. Are you telling me your life is mine to direct? he asked calmly. Again, her eyes flicked to his, and a spark of hope was there. She looked down and nodded quickly. You will follow my directions. You won't question my decisions. You will be mine to command, his voice rumbled playfully. She nodded energetically while keeping her eyes downwards. Then I will not allow you to waste your potential. I will define a life plan for you, and you will follow it. I will take care of your expenses, and you will do as I say. Is this understood? He continued to rumble. While she still hadn't looked at him, the girl was practically vibrating with excitement. Ben started to have serious doubts about what he was getting into, but it was the happiest he'd seen her, and he was too far in now. He thought he'd better distract her, so she didn't see his shaking hands. There is a can of soup on the counter. The pots are under the counter by the fridge. Get one and warm up the soup. You'll find a stirring spoon in the second drawer by the stove. The bread is in the wooden box on the counter. Get a knife from the top drawer next to the stove and cut off some thick. Slices of bread to accompany the soup, he instructed. She looked up at him, and her eyes were bright with joy. He raised his brows. Go, he said quietly, and she rushed off to get dinner started. He allowed himself a smile at her happiness. Then he turned back to the bank papers. Then he turned back to the bank papers. He was no lawyer, but even he could see there was no reference to Tina in any of the documents. James was a real piece of work. Tina made herself familiar with the kitchen by opening each of the drawers and cabinets one at a time for a quick glance. Then she inspected the appliances. She got the soup warming and the bread sliced and onto plates. She set the plates on the table away from the papers. Ben enjoyed hearing the domestic noises she was making as he worked. It made him recall happier days with Wendy. His smile became a little sad. Then Tina surprised him with a kiss on the cheek. He looked at her, and she froze. Suddenly, she looked nervous, like she was expecting to be punished. Why did you kiss me? he asked. You looked sad. Did I do wrong? she said, and she was back to looking down and trembling while clenching her hands together before her lap. Come here, he said. She quickly got closer. He reached out and took her chin in his left hand. He could see her nostrils flare as she breathed deep and quick. He turned her face away from him and she tensed up, her eyelids fluttering slightly. He leaned in and kissed her cheek in return. She squeaked in surprise. Thank you for rescuing me from my sadness. However, next time you will ask before you kiss me, I wouldn't want you to start making a habit of that. It could become difficult around others. Don't burn the soup, he said, and she scooted back to the stove with a smile on her flushed face. 
he casually thought about the idea of watching a movie after supper and wondered if she'd be interested too. He had no idea what kind of movies she was into. The vast gap of his knowledge about the young woman and what he was taking on loomed before him. He worried about her reaction to his kiss discipline. She'd obviously been abused by her husband to behave that way. He'd have to work on deprogramming that response. Soon the soup was ready and Ben put away the paperwork. Tina served him then made herself a bowl. They ate together at the table in silent companionship. When they were done, Tina jumped up and took the dishes to the sink and rinsed them, then put them in the dishwasher. She then washed and dried the pot and put it away. He was surprised how quick and efficient her movements were, and she had a little smile on her face the whole time. The warmth of the soup and the events of the day suddenly caught up to Ben, and he yawned hugely. Sorry, my eyelids are starting to droop. I think I'm going to take a quick shower then head off to bed, he said. Thank you for dinner. Tina smiled and nodded deeply. If you need anything, please let me know. Also, I'm typically up pretty early and do my work out downstairs. The house is pretty good at blocking noise, so I shouldn't disturb you or Christopher, but let me know if I do. With a final good night, he went back to his bedroom and shut the door. He picked out a pair of pajama bottoms and laid them out on the bed. He got undressed and dropped his dirty clothes in the hamper in the bathroom. He started the shower and stepped into his big, custom-designed stall. He lifted the lever and jets of hot water hit him from all sides. He felt his tension melting away, so he closed his eyes. They shot back open when he felt small hands rubbing soap against his back. Tina, he shouted. He looked over his shoulder and saw her standing naked in his shower. The jets bounced off his body to hit her from all sides as well, so she was quite drenched. She was looking at her feet with her hands clenched before her, silent. What the hell do you think you are doing? He barked. Tina dropped to her knees and pressed her face to her hands on the floor of the shower. Ben turned the jets off and turned around. She couldn't see him crouched as she was anyway. He looked down at her and saw she was trembling violently. He knelt down on one knee and reached for her shoulders to lift her up. She flinched away strongly when he touched her and made a mewling noise of fear. Ben felt a surge of rage for James and wished he could have had a few minutes alone with the man before he'd boarded that plane. He touched her gently and got a careful grip on her upper arms. He lifted her to her knees and saw her lip was bleeding a little where she'd bitten it. Maybe when she dropped to the floor so suddenly. God, he felt like jerk. How was he supposed to treat a submissive in a situation like this? He wasn't going to hurt her, though it seemed he'd already unintentionally done that. Firm but compassionate. Christ, he was out of his element. He put a finger under her chin and lifted her face. Look at me, he said. Her eyes flicked up to his. Her lips were trembling. She gave a quick shake of her head. He kept her face up so he could see her expression. She suddenly got a confused look in her eye and started to cry. Ben turned and shut off the water. Then he stood and lifted Tina to her feet. He guided her out of the shower and pulled a big towel off a shelf. He wrapped the young woman in it and squeezed the water from her long black hair. 
Then he rubbed her body from the top down with the thick towel safety between his big hands and her tiny body. He wasn't very gently, as he was still pretty upset. Her eyes closed in pleasure at the feel of his powerful hands on her body. Her tears dried. The towel and his hands passed over her breasts, and her nipples hardened with the sensation. She was breathing hard. He spun her around and rubbed down her back and reached her ass. He stopped for just a second to admire the smooth roundness of her bottom, then brutally drove all thoughts out of his head, except for getting her dry. He roughly rubbed the towel over her ass and the top of her legs. He reached in quickly to dry the crack of her ass before beginning to rub her legs down. He worked quickly and firmly to get all of the water droplets off her skin. He spun her around again to dry the fronts of her legs. In his rush to complete her legs, he saw he'd missed between her upper thighs, so he rubbed up between her legs. The towel snagged under her foot as he was sliding his hand upwards, and it dropped away. His fingers continued up to slapped up directly against her soft, wet opening. Her thighs clamped together in reaction, pinning his fingers in place as her breath rushed out. She squirmed forward and grabbed his shoulders, her head dipping down beside his. Her breath came out in gusts against his ear, and Ben felt her opening spasm, as if it was sucking at his fingertips. She was rocking through a strong orgasm. He tried to pull his fingers free, but this just rubbed directly against her clit, setting her off once more. She cried out as her pleasure crested powerfully. Her knees gave and she fell against him finally freeing his fingers. They were liberally coated with her wetness. Without thinking, he put his fingers in his mouth to clean them so he could lift her shaking body. She saw him sucking her juices off his fingers, and she moaned as a new shudder went through her small frame. He realized what he'd done, but it was too late, so he rubbed the rest on the towel and scooped the woman into his arms. She felt weightless, he carried her into the bedroom and placed her on the bed. He went back to get himself a towel and dried himself off. He came back out with the towel wrapped around him and looked down at the petite woman stretched across his bed, her damp hair spread out behind her head like a halo. She was so damn beautiful, vulnerable, and available, but she was also so damn young and frail. Her face was flushed and her nipples were standing at attention as she gently rubbed and tugged at them. She stared at Ben with her eyes only partially open. She was obviously still coming down from the series of orgasms she'd experienced. He sat on the edge of the bed and touched her cheek with his fingers as he ran his thumb over her bottom lip. God, she was lovely. Her eyes opened as she waited for him to do something. You expected I'd want you to wash my back because that's what you did for James? He asked. She nodded. Then she sucked his thumb into her mouth. The sensation went directly to his groin, and he thickened quickly. He didn't realize she could see up his towel. Her eyes grew as she did. Before you make any assumptions, you should ask me if that's what I want. Okay? he asked. She nodded, unable to tear her eyes away from his hardening member. What's wrong? he asked. You're so big. It won't fit inside me she gulped in fear. He suddenly realized she'd fully expected him to fuck her. She'd been waiting for him to rip off his towel 
and force himself on her. He was struck with the thought that she believed she was his for the taking. His body betrayed him as he felt himself stiffen until he was hard as an iron bar. This towel was seriously tenting. She was right though. There was no way he'd fit and he'd very likely hurt her if he tried. He felt like a creep for thinking it. Don't worry, I won't do that to you, he said. She looked relieved, then conflicted. Come on, you should go to your own bed, so I can go to your own bed, so I can go to sleep. Please don't send me away. I haven't slept well since James died. Ben looked down at her pleading eyes and frowned. Maybe you should have told me all this before I said you could stay the night, he growled at her. Her eyes immediately dropped, and she looked unhappy and nervous. What had he gotten himself into? He stood up and dropped the towel as she'd seen him already. He tugged on the pajama bottoms and looked at Tina. What are you wearing to bed? Don't say nothing, he said sternly. He, she just looked at him with her big, sad brown eyes. He sighed and pulled a white tear shirt from pulled a white t-shirt from his dresser and tossed it to her. She tugged the shirt over her head and it was ridiculously big. She looked down at herself and giggled. She got up to check on Christopher. Ben followed her out and carried the bassinet back into his bedroom and set it up against the wall near Tina's side of the bed. He crossed to his side and climbed under the covers. Tina kissed Christopher's head, then crawled under the sheets. Ben shut off the lights and breathed out a heavy sigh. His life had just gotten a hell of a lot more complicated. He felt the light pressure of Tina's hand coming to rest on his arm. He looked over and saw a little light reflecting off of her open eyes. She was looking at him. He reached out and pulled her against his side, where she snuggled in. He kissed the top of her head and heard her sigh contentedly. Funny, he found this exceptionally relaxing too. He was on the island of Hawaii in his beautiful ocean side suite. He was resting in bed with his beautiful wife, Wendy, and they were so happy. She smiled at him and her eyes twinkled, as they did when she was truly happy. She gave him a mischievous smile and slipped under the sheets. He felt her kissing her way down towards his cock, which stiffened in anticipation. Her tongue ran around the ridge of its head, then lapped across it. She kissed its tip, then ran her tongue up and down the shaft, making it wet with her saliva. She licked back up to the top and opened her mouth to slowly slide the head inside. She was having trouble getting more than that into her small mouth. Her tiny hands slid up and down the length of him, but she was struggling to get more inside her. He reached down and guided her mouth over his head and pressed until the a few more inches slid into her mouth. Feeling her tap on his leg, he pulled her head up and she gasped for air. Then he felt her drive her head back down onto his stiff cock. He guided her back up and she'd thrust back down. She sped up as her mouth got used to the large intrusion. Ben felt his orgasm building and he gripped her head a little tighter and drove his cock into her mouth five more times and pulled up until only the head was locked behind her lips. As he exploded into her mouth, his eyes snapped open and he was in his bed at home, feeling a colossal orgasm rock through his body. His mind whited out, but resurfaced a short time later. He fumbled for the light switch. He pulled the sheet back 
and Tina looked up at him from above his spent penis. Her face was red and sweaty, and her eyes were full of tears from choking on his thickness. She seemed a little shaky. A little cum had leaked out onto her chin. She reached down with a fingertip and pushed the drop into her mouth, all the while holding his eyes with hers. Ben swung his legs out of bed and saw his pyjamas were pulled down to his thighs. He pulled them back up and went into the bathroom. He cleaned himself off, then got a cool, damp face cloth and returned to the bed. He wiped the sweat from Tina's face and refreshed her face. Then he patted it dry with the towel on the bed. She smiled at him cautiously. He leaned in and kissed her deeply and aggressively. She whimpered into his mouth. Ben threw back the sheet, stacked the pillows at the head of the bed, and pulled Tina up to lie back against them. He pushed her thighs back, exposing her wet pussy. She moaned and squirmed in embarrassment as he looked down at the engorged pink outer lips and how they glistened. He kissed his way down the inside of Tina's right thigh, and she gasped and writhed as he got closer. Then he began at the top of the other thigh. Tina was dripping when he finally ran his tongue, flat over her lips and around the hood of her clit. Tina was crying out silently, and then he sucked her clit into his mouth. Her legs began to shake violently as a mighty orgasm tore through her senses. Ben began to fuck her with his tongue, and she made the cutest mewling sounds as she peeked again and again. She gripped his hair and held him against her. He fastened his mouth over her gushing opening, and thrashed her with his tongue, until her eyes rolled back in her head and she went limp. He used the face cloth to wipe his face clean and to clean her nether region, and dropped it into the bathroom hamper. He climbed back into bed, flipped off the light, and tucked Tina up against his body. Once more, he was asleep in minutes.